Welcome back to Aliyah Yomi. Today we're going to be learning the last Aliyah in Parashas Re'eh. This is Shvi'i. Our Aliyah is 21 Pesukim long, running from Perik Tesvav, Pesuk Yud Tes to Tes Zayin Yud Zayin. The topic is the Yomim Tavim, or at least the three regalim, the three festivals. We hear first a brief paragraph about Bechor, about a firstborn animal from a kosher, a kosher animal. Moshe tells us that all your livestock which has a firstborn which is male, you must bring to maybe maybe holy to Hashem takdish l'ashon lakecha, and you, you cannot work it, you cannot shear it as well. It's interesting to notice that there's an actual commandment of takdish of making it holy, even though it itself is holy. But we have the the opportunity of proclaiming it holy. That's a similar kind of thing we have with Shabbos. Shabbos is kviyah v'kaiva. It's going to happen whether we like it or not. But we have the opportunity of doing kiddush or being makadesh the Shabbos as well. We're told to eat it that we have to bring this bechor, this firstborn animal, to eat it in in front of Hashem in the place that He has chosen. But if it has a blemish. It cannot be sacrificed to Hashem. Rather, it will be eaten in your villages. But again, the reminder is you cannot eat its blood. It has to be brought, the blood has to be poured to the ground. Unlike the sacrifice, the blood is put on the Mizbeach. We saw this earlier on in the parasha. Then we hear about Pesach. With Pesach, we're told that we're good to guard the month of spring and make Pesach in the month of spring because it was then that Hashem took us out of Egypt. We're told as well, you need to sacrifice the Pesach to Hashem in Hashem's play, chosen place. You're not allowed to eat leaven for seven days. You have to rather eat matzos, lechem oni, poor man's bread or bread that we um, articulate ideas over in order to remember the time you left Egypt. There should be no leaven in your possession and the meat should not be left overnight. An idea of noisar. You may or you not slaughter the Pesach in one of your villages at home. It must be brought to the place Hashem chooses. And for six days you'll eat matzos. And the seventh day is natzeres. So this is the, the, the paragraph of our Pesach. Then we hear about Shavuos. We're told that we're supposed to count seven weeks from the time that the grain stopped to ripen in the field. We know from Pasha's Emor that this is actually from the time that we bring the Korban Omer. And then we make a festival of weeks celebrating the gifts of our hands and what Hashem blessed us with. Because that's when the, the harvest is starting. And the whole of society will celebrate in front of Hashem. Your whole society means even the most vulnerable in society will celebrate with you in the place that Hashem has chosen. Then we are told to, you should remember that you were a slave in Egypt um, and you will keep all these laws. And finally, the last section is about Sukkot. The festival of Sukkot will be um, when you're bringing in the, pre- the produce from the fields. It's now going to the granaries. You'll celebrate your festivals with your entire extended community. And for seven days, you'll, be cele- you'll celebrate and be just happy. Ach, sameach. At which point the parasha closes with the notion of Aliyah la regel. At three times a year, we come in front of Hashem. And we cannot come in front of Hashem empty-handed. Rather, each person gives according to the blessing of their hand. And they bring korbanas to Hashem. That's a basic summary of the Aliyah. So we have Bukhar, and then we have Pesach Shua Sukkos, and the general idea of Aliyah la regel. A few basic questions, and we'll close the parasha. First of all, why is the mitzvah of Bukhar right here? Why do we need to know about the mitzvah of bringing the firstborn? So Rav Hirsch points out that we've just learned a lot about social regulations and charity in society. The Shemitah year and loans, all kinds of important things, slavery, bonds people, people being set free. So you may think that the Torah is very interested in social, uh, a, a social doctrine. And that is a delusion because, yes, it is true that there are certain social aspects and sort of social regulations and normal to life in the Torah purview. But that is not what the Torah is about. The Torah is a theological doctrine. That means to say that it's real, the idea of ownership and our responsibilities to Hashem and society are governed based on our relationship to Hashem. That means to say that Hashem is telling us that part of understanding the same way that you're supposed to give loans is the same understanding that you should give your firstborn to our Kodesh Baruch Hu and eat it in the, base, in, in the area of the base of Mikdash. Which means to say that its understanding will call it the ritual aspect of the social dynamic, which is why it's the reforming closure of those previous ideas. 
Now, why are the Yomim Tovim here? We hear about the Yomim Tovim numerous times in the Torah. Why is it here? So Rav Hirsch explains again that the, the, this is about the three pilgrimage festivals. This is not about Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, or even Shemini Atzeres. It's just talking about Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukkot. Those are the three times that the nation of Israel have the responsibility to come to Yerushalayim. Three times a year and bring their crop on us. And the reason that is the case is because this parsha, as we have seen, Re'eh is a parsha which is focused on the religious, social life in Israel. You're about across the Jordan. How is it going to look? The carbonus you bring, the schmitter you keep, all these things are how you live. The animals you eat, this is going to be the way you live your life. And there's three times a year where you're going to come back to the place Hashem is going to choose, which will be a reminder of your responsibility there. A few, uh, a few basic um, halachas also added on over here in while mentioning these Yomim Tovim. As mentioned before, and this is the Kriya Torah for many of the, the second day Yom Tovs, which is uh, apropos the topic of the day as well. Another question. What, what is the commandment of guarding the spring? So it's important to notice that, that there are, the, the months are governed by the moon. Right, so the lunar calendar is a, is a month. How long is a is a lunar cycle? It's about 29 and a half days, which is why we have roughly um, a 30 or 29 day month, or I'm um, alternating, generally speaking. We can't have a 29 and a half day month, and half days don't work, but we have a 30 or 29 day month, and that's whether we have double or single Rosh Kodesh. Now, um, if you add up 12 sets of 29s and 30s, or 29 and a half, times 12, you add up of 12 of those months, it gives us 354 days, which is in fact um, 11 and a quarter days shy of the solar cycle, which is the amount of time it takes the earth to orbit the sun. So which means, and that governs seasons. So if we were to follow purely the months of the lunar cycle, we were, our year would continue to shift in seasons. If we were to keep only the solar cycle, then the months are really arbitrary, meaning January being 31 days is an arbitrary number. It's sort of borrowed from the lunar cycle, but it has no bearing on the actual lunar cycle itself. Then the months would be arbitrary and, um, and would only be following the, the solar cycle. So the Torah tells us that we need to guard both, which means to say we need to make sure that the festival of Pesach, which is based on a lunar um, a cycle and calendar date is in the Chodesh Aviv, um, is, is in the, the, um, the um, spring, which in fact is a solar cycle. So we need to balance the two. We need to make sure that Pesach always falls into, or Nisan falls into what's called Tekufas uh, um, Nisan, which means the spring time, which is why we have a 19 year cycle right now, uh, of that being seven of them are leap years to ensure that the, there's this ebb, ebb and flow of the year to make sure that the two are balanced to, um, to each other more or less. Why is it important that Pesach needs to be in spring? So why doesn't Hashem just let, let the calendar be in flux with uh, just a lunar calendar like the Muslims and their Ramadan keeps getting shifted backwards 11 days every year? Why, do, why, why isn't Judaism like that? So Rav Cook points out that the, that the, the redemption of Egypt was reflect, a, a spiritual reflection also of the, 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 the physical process as well, meaning that redemptive process that you see suddenly everything sprouting is an expression of the idea of redemption at this time. And that is to be found both in the spiritual and the physical, the solar and the lunar cycles, which we need to bridge together. We need to see our Kodesh Baruch Hu both in the physical 
and the spiritual cycles in life. The Nitziv points out that it's also a sign for us in long and extended exile, that springtime will come and that rotting seed in the ground, which looks like in the gray and cold days or throughout the very long winter, will finally sprout forth and know that in Nisan we will receive redemption in the future based on our looking back to the past. How many, how many days must we eat matzah? It's a little confusing. On the one hand it says seven days, on the other hand it says six days. Rashi brings two options as to how to resolve this, this contradiction. One option is, is that it's, it's six days of chadash, meaning new grain, because you're allowed to bring the new grain after the second day, which is when you bring the Korban Omer, but seven days in general for eating matzah. Another option is, is that we learn out a fascinating idea here that just like the seventh day is Rishus, which means it's optional to eat matzah, that's learned onto the, the previous days as well. So only the first night is really a chayva, is an obligation, but the, the rest of the days are Rishus. That means it is, it is optional. One could carry on eating yogurt and potatoes and survive on Pesach as well. The Vilna Gaon famously says that there is also a mitzvah of um, a Kiyomis, which means you fulfill the obligation of eating matzah, but nonetheless it's beyond the purview of our very short time together. Um, why is Shavuos connected to the memory of being a slave in Egypt? You notice that the, that the Torah tells us you should remember you're a slave when in the times of Shavuos. Why doesn't it say that by Pesach? So the, tra- the, 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 the Rashi explains is because Shavuos is actually the ending, it's the capstone of the, ex- of the redemption. Pesach isn't just freedom from, nobody's telling us what to do, when to get up and where, where to go. But that's not enough. Hashem didn't want us to be free from. Hashem wanted us to be free to. To have a system of law, to know what we're doing, to have a uh, mission in life, not just to be floating down the river trying to amass as much wealth by the end of the game. So that's the, what, what the point is here. Once you accepted the Torah, once you have the Shavuos, that's when you should remember you, you were redeemed as a slave to be this, not to be something else or just to be. Finally, last point is the last pasuk of the parasha, each person with the blessing of their hands um, which Hashem gave you um, is a very beautiful pasuk. In fact, in the laning, those who are, come from Germany, the Akas, have a minag to read this last pasuk one octave higher when they read it on Yom Tov to remind people that donations are important. You come up to come to shul, you need to bring donations and contribute to spiritual activities. So the Nitzv says there's also two meanings in this. On the one hand, it's a follow-on of the previous pasuk, which is you should not come to HaKadosh Baruch Hu empty-handed to so bring a korban as you're blessed. The other option is, is that when you come in front of Hashem, you'll never leave the presence of Hashem without a blessing. You're coming to the Shechina, you're coming to the base of Migdash, you'll never leave. And it's going to be a blessing based on what your assets are in life. If your assets are intellectual, if your assets are your children, if your assets are your physical wealth, if your assets are your skills, whatever it is that you have in life, you come in front of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Hashem will increase that asset. asset. He'll make that more successful and that is the bracha, which has been given in a very beautiful way to end off the parasha as well. Have a wonderful and meaningful day and a great Shabbos.